0: M-S-W-Media. Please join me in thanking Credit Karma for supporting the Daily Beans. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers.
1: Hey, I'm Ben Mycellus. I'm Brett Mycellus. And I'm Jordy. And we are the hosts of the Midas Touch podcast, the top rated, top watched political podcast for pro-democracy content. Each week we do multiple episodes where we break down the political issues of the day here in the United States and abroad as we fight for democracy. Isn't that right, Brett? That's right, Ben. We've had conversations with some incredible guests like White House
0: Chief of Staff Ron Klain, Beto O'Rourke, DNC Chair, Jamie Harrison, Glenn Kirshner, Mary Trump, celebrities like Deborah Messing, Alyssa Milano, Michael Rappaport, and more.
1: So subscribe to the Midas Touch podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's the midas touch m-e-i-t-a-s-t-o-u-c-h podcast jordy anything to add shout out to the midas my <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, May seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. Today, Joel Greenberg's sentencing has been delayed again. Senate Democrats want to take one more swing at pushing Biden to forgive student debt. The GOP looks to marginalize Madison Cawthorn if he wins his primary, as the former guy endorses him. An Inspector General report scrutinizes a Republican representative's claims that the Capitol Police were out to get him in the wake of the attack on the Capitol. I'm Allison Gill, and I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you, my friend. How's everything in San
2: Diego? Oh, Oh, oh boy, that was a lot. That was a lot in one
0: breath. (laughs) You know. (laughs) All right. Let's move on. (laughs) It's going. All right. We have a great show for you today. Later on in the show, I'm going to be talking with Jen Budd. She's the author of the new book Against the Wall, My Journey from Border Patrol Agent to Immigrant Rights Activist. That is now available for pre-order. Nice. Yeah. And so I'm excited to speak with her about that and her story and her book. So it's going to be good. And then we actually have a lot of news. We have, you know, four pieces of news, but they're long. So let's get to it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Click Orlando. More than a year after former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg pled guilty to six federal charges, including child sex trafficking, a judge informed prosecutors he intends to sentence Greenberg this August absent compelling circumstances. In a newly filed court order, U.S. District Judge Gregory Presnell indicated that the year long delay in sentencing Greenberg has been in the interest of justice. Greenberg, who remains incarcerated in the Orange County Jail while awaiting sentencing, faces a mandatory minimum sentence of 12 years in federal prison. As part of a plea deal with prosecutors, Greenberg agreed to cooperate on other criminal investigations. That cooperation could potentially lead to a reduction in additional prison time. Greenberg was originally scheduled to be sentenced in August of last year after he pled guilty to child sex trafficking, aggravated identity theft, production of false identification document, wire fraud, stalking, and conspiracy. Since then, Greenberg's attorney and federal prosecutors both have successfully convinced the judge to delay sentencing as Greenberg reportedly continues to assist in other undisclosed criminal prosecutions. Quote, this is an unusual request to delay sentencing, but I think this is an unusual case. That was Assistant U.S. Attorney Roger Handberg speaking to the judge during an October 2021 court hearing. The evidence takes us places, and frankly, it takes us places we did not anticipate, he said. Prosecutors provided Presnell with a confidential status report Friday that appears to have included a request for an additional sentencing delay. That's according to court records. Upon consideration of the government's in-camera and ex parte status report filed May 13th, 2022, it is ordered that, in the interest of justice, An additional continuance of the sentencing in this matter is granted. That's what the judge wrote. The judge ordered the government to file another status report by July 13th if a sentencing hearing had not yet been set. That will be filed under seal, as in previous court documents. They said, we want to file everything under seal so that, you know, other people we're investigating aren't tipped off and harass witnesses or flee the country or destroy evidence. Quote, please note that absent compelling circumstances, it this is court's intention to set sentencing to be held in August of 2022. That's the judge's order. Greenberg's friend and former employee Ellicott, Big Joe, is scheduled to be sentenced on June twenty-eighth. <laughs> <laughs> Big Joe in the douche. After he's going June twenty-eighth is his sentencing after he pled guilty to his role in a bribery scheme. Ellicott, who's a former employee of the Seminole County Tax Collector's Office, admitted to serving as an intermediary between a public official believed to be Greenberg and an unidentified contractor. The contractor allegedly paid bribes to the official while submitting inflated invoices to a government agency. Besides taking, that's who, why I keep adding L.A. Key mm-hmm. uh, to, to my fantasy indictment league, because that's who I think that contract was with. But besides taking part in a conspiracy to commit wire fraud, Ellicott also admitted to illegally distributing the prescription drug Adderall. He faces a maximum of 20 years in prison for each count. And like Greenberg, Big Joe agreed to cooperate with federal authorities on other undisclosed criminal investigations in exchange for leniency. Joseph Zwick, one of Ellicott's attorneys, told the Daily Beast his client has been cooperating in the sex trafficking investigation of Matt Gates. Now, Ellicott's sentencing hasn't been delayed yet, which could mean they're done investigating the Gates part of all this. But I don't think that that's true. We could possibly look for a delay in Ellicott's sentencing as well, and that would help us understand the Gates timeline. And besides, the two prosecutors on loan from D.C., they had an expert in child exploitation, and an expert in public corruption sent down from the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office to help oversee the Gates investigation. They are still in Florida, as far as I know, and they haven't resigned in protest. So there may still be something going on with that case, though. We haven't heard anything since Gates's ex-girlfriend testified against him for witness tampering in that three-way phone call back in January. An indictment sure would be nice, Dana. It sure would be. You know, I was thinking about
2: something while you were reading this. Ellicott admitted to illegally distributing the prescription drug Adderall. You know who I've heard uh, likes to snort crushed Adderall. I wonder if there was any sort of a purchase order there. Just, just a question. I mean, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. That's all. All right.
0: Yeah, I mean, where else does he go? You know, I mean, besides Big Joe
1: from a former DJ
0: from Orlando. Oh my God. All right, moving on to the second big story we
2: have. Rep. Troy Nels prompted an inspector general investigation after he accused Capitol Police of trying to destroy him over his comments on the January 6th attack. The report, exclusively reviewed by Politico, gives a very different perspective on events than what Nels described. Now, shocking. Nels (laughs) said at the time that Capitol Police had improperly entered his office, took a photo of a whiteboard and then came by later to question his team about it. Now, the Texas Republican said he was being targeted due to his views that the Capitol Police had murdered Ashley Babbitt, a woman who entered the Capitol during the January 6th attack and was killed there by an officer. The new Inspector General report with Politico is detailing here for the first time, now this gives a much tamer characterization of the events than Nell's provided. <laughs> really? After scrutinizing the matter, the inspector general recommended that the department update procedures on balancing security interests with congressional offices' confidential work. But in contrast to Nell's assessment of the events, the inspector general report didn't suggest officers engaged in malicious surveillance or attempted character assassination. The episode occurred last November. Now, according to Nels, an officer entered his office on November 20th, 2021, and he took a photo of a whiteboard where his team had jotted notes about legislation on body armor. Huh. The next Monday, officers in civilian clothing visited Nels' office and questioned a staffer about the writings. And this is what he said. And this is a quote. Capitol Police leadership have put a target on my back, but my work is exposing the security failures on January 6th. The death of Miss Babbitt and the sham investigation into the events of January 6th will not be deterred. And that's from Nels. He said that in a February statement about the incident. Now, in the inspector general report, Capitol Police instead detailed an officer checking in on an office while conducting a routine weekend patrol and then reporting something concerning. If you see something, say something that he saw in the office to his superiors. So the Capitol Police officer told this to his superiors, as he should have. The officer was doing routine patrol work of the Longworth House office building on November 20th when he saw that the door to Nels' office was open, which wasn't normal. And that's according to the report. So he loudly announced himself a few times, mind you, and hearing no response, he walked into the office to see if everything was okay. Well, there was no one there. But a whiteboard contained writings about body armor, China, and the Rayburn and Longworth buildings. that's what the report said. So he told the inspector general that he took a photo of the whiteboard to preserve the evidence since he thought the language was concerning. He said that in prior training at a federal law enforcement academy, he learned to take photos of anything suspicious if possible. Now, after leaving Nels' office and locking the door, he showed the photo to a superior and another sergeant. They agreed it was a little off. (laughs) The officer also asked a coworker, a private if he should file a particular type of report to detail what happened, and the private said yes. Now, later that night, a Capitol Police supervisor received a report of the incident and a photo of the whiteboard passed along through the private. The next day, the superior sent it to three sergeants in the intelligence operations section, one of whom directed an officer in that specific department on November 22nd to follow up to, quote, determine if this warranted an investigation. Now, since that officer's work was Counter surveillance, part of his job, was to dress in casual garb, which that day was blue jeans and a hoodie, not a disguise to hoodwink Nels' team, as the congressman had publicly speculated. He had another assignment that morning, as well. What that was, was to give a tour of the House side of the Capitol building to other privates in the intelligence operations section, who also dressed in civilian clothes, so they won't stand out. The police officers went to Nels' office where the lead officer knocked on the door, introduced himself to the legislative assistant who answered and said he was following up on the report from two days prior. Now, the staffer, quote, explained to him that the Congressman Nels was working on body armor legislation and had written the map to direct an intern to the house ice machine. Get the fuck out of here.
1: The (laughs) officer...
2: (laughs) The officer concluded that nobody needed to investigate further, which he relayed to his supervisor. Now, the supervisor told him he didn't need to document the follow-up in the department's record management system. The inspector general's office also interviewed Nelsa Staffer, who spoke with the officers and who, by the way, has since taken a different job and corroborated the officer's basic account of the visit. Now, Staffer added that he thought it was unusual that they showed up without any appointment and that he thought they were quote dressed weird. Like construction workers. Now, the officers were respectful and professional, he added, and the conversation took one minute. The inspector general concluded that the officer who took the photo should have filled out a different type of report for his supervisors and that the department needed to update procedures on finding open doors in offices, which, okay. Now, the department lawyers should ensure that the department, quote, strikes the proper balance of protecting congressional representatives and their staff from physical outside threats while simultaneously protecting their legislative proposals or January 6th, just kidding, instructions, uh, their uh, legislative proposals and work product from possibly inappropriate photography, scrutiny, and questioning by USCP employees. Now that was a direct quote. The report also recommended training on what officers should do when entering unlocked offices, which forms to fill out and terms to use on those forms and how to properly use their work phones. So the report made clear it did not express an opinion on the police department's programs, but it didn't include any statements suggesting Nels was targeted maliciously. So mm, there you have that story. It all sounds sketchy as fuck on that whiteboard.
0: Do you think they broke the law? It's time to play a sketch or not.
2: It's, not, yeah, it's a, not a good a map whiteboard. to the ice machine. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. And with body armor. It's a very dangerous ice machine, Allison. It is. You, you don't want to get, you know, hurt by drive-by icings. I it's guess. a drive-by
2: sure. by fruiting.
0: <laughs> it was a drive-by fruiting. All right. Thank you for that story. Next up Republicans are publicly and privately rooting for Rhett Madison Cawthorn to lose his North Carolina primary race on Tuesday. But they're also preparing for an alternate scenario, how to deal with the embattled freshman if he returns to Congress after becoming a party pariah (laughs) In private discussions. GOP lawmakers are debating ways to keep Cawthorn on the sidelines should he prevail in his North Carolina reelection race from relegating him to less favorable committees to warning the punishments could get even stiffer. (laughs) Should the controversial antics continue, according to interviews with more than a dozen lawmakers from across the House Republican Conference. One GOP lawmaker affiliated with the Trump wing of the party told CNN they bluntly warned Cawthorn they would publicly call for him to be removed from the House GOP conference if he breaks the law again. Furious that Cawthorn was cited twice for bringing a gun to the airport and was caught driving with a revoked license for the second time in North Carolina. Quote, I met with the guy and said, don't break the law again. You break the law one more time, I'm going to start calling for you to be kicked out. Woohoo, what a spine. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, way to put your foot down. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't mean kicked out of the House Freedom Caucus. I mean kicked out of the conference, voting him out. He's a black eye on our conference. Okay. okay, Well spoken, sir. Meanwhile, some members of the hardline House Freedom Caucus, of which Cawthorne is a member, have sat him down and told the 26-year-old to get his shit together. That's to an act. Get his act together. According to multiple GOP lawmakers familiar with those conversations. Now, after Cawthorne sparked an uproar for insinuating his colleagues had invited him to orgies and done coke in front of him, the conservative crew... <laughs> Briefly contemplated booting Cawthorne from the caucus, though they never followed through with that threat. But one of the group also suggested it's not a given that the MAGA firebrand will be invited back to the House Freedom Caucus next year if he's reelected. Noting the group is invite only and said Cawthorne is going to have to own up to his mistakes. Okay. As his colleagues debate his future in the party, Cawthorne, once seen as a rising star in the GOP, increasingly finds himself on an island on Capitol Hill, suggesting his problems won't end if he manages to clinch the nomination. Is that Fire Island? I'm just curious from the videos. <laughs> it's Eden. <laughs> it's that island from couples therapy. All right. Complicating matters, though, because this piece was written yesterday and today Donald Trump posted on Truth Social that Madison was a good kid. Everyone should give him a second chance. So that's going to throw a wrench
2: in the works. It sure is. All right. Now, this last story, I'm so exhausted by this, but I think it's good that we continue to report. Senate Democrats don't want President Joe Biden to make a move on canceling student loan debt until they get one last chance to push him to go as big as possible. Yes. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, as well as Senators Elizabeth Warren and Raphael Warnock in Georgia, communicated to the White House that they want Biden to hold tight on any executive action until they can press him one last time. That's according to two people familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity. The three senators met this week to plot student loan strategy and are seeking a meeting with Biden as soon as he will do it. The student loan fight is a key friction between Biden and Senate Democrats. And then Schumer, Warren, and Warnock, they're pressing Biden to cancel as much as $50,000 in student loan debt for borrowers. But Biden's considering a much smaller relief. The progressive wing of the party believes big debt relief will energize voters. Though centrist Democrats generally prefer a more measured approach, Warnock himself could benefit as he prepares to face voters this fall. Now, Biden publicly ruled out50,000 dollars in cancellations last month, but he said he's considering canceling some student loan debt. Schumer and his allied Democrats have been unbowed, keeping pressure on Biden to take big action ahead of the midterms and avoid making a move too minor to help at the ballot box, And the White House did not return a request for comment on this story
0: yet. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens there. That student debt payment repayment pause ends at the end of August. And, and by then, we'll have Joel Greenberg sentenced. So, so we'll see. Oh, jeez. We'll yeah, I know. It's a while. All right. We'll be right back with Jen Budd. We're going to discuss her new book, Against the Wall, which is available now for pre-order. Everybody go get it. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll
1: be right back. Hey,
0: everybody. It's AG. If you want to have a productive and successful day, you need to get a good night's sleep. Without enough rest, you're more likely to be cranky. Your response time will be slower. You might even say something you regret just because you're tired. And I used to be tired all the time. I had night sweats. I would toss and turn and I woke up feeling sore and cranky. It was not fun. And that's when Helix Sleep came to my rescue. Helix Sleep has a quick online two-minute sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So stop sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. Helix knows everybody is different, so they have a selection of mattresses for everyone. They have plus size mattresses for plus size sleepers, soft, medium, firm mattresses, mattresses that can regulate your body temperature, spinal alignment mattresses. They have everything. My perfect mattress, Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. It is such an upgrade over my old mattress. I fall asleep fast. I stay asleep all night. I wake up refreshed. I'm not sore. It's great. Helix is amazing, but you don't have to take my word for it. They have over 12,000 five-star reviews. And in 2020, Helix was awarded Best Overall Mattress Pick by GQ and Wired Magazine. So if you're looking for a mattress, go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take the quiz, order the mattress that you're matched to. The mattress comes right to your door, shipped for free. You get to try it for 100 nights with no risk. They will come pick it up for free if you don't love it, but you will. Uh, And so Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Right now, for listeners, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows by going to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored today to be joined by a friend of mine. She was a senior Border Patrol agent with the Border Patrol in San Diego and an intelligence agent at San Diego Sector Headquarters from 95 to 2001. And then she resigned in protest due to the rampant corruption and brutality she witnessed. And she has a book out about it now. It's called Against the Wall, My Journey from Border Patrol Agent to Immigrant Rights Activist. Please welcome Jen Budd. Hi, Jen. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. I've been anticipating <laughs> the release of this book, as I'm sure you have as well. And I'm so glad it's finally coming out. I'm sure what prompted you to resign in protest is also what prompted you to write the book. But can we talk a little bit about both of those things?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wish that I could say that I had come to the realization that I was enforcing, you know, very racist and, and white supremacist policies in immigration at the time, and that's why I left. And I and I had started to realize that somewhat, but at the time in 2001, I actually resigned because. I was conducting an investigation on whether or not my boss at the Campo Station out in the East County of San Diego in the mountains was the one organizing the smuggling of narcotics into the county, and he admitted it, and he was, and I came forward to whistleblow. And San Diego sector headquarters offered me a promotion. They would hide it as, you know, everybody would put in, but it would be set aside for me to so that I could be quiet. That's very common in the Border Patrol. And I said, no, <laughs> that's not the way I roll. And then they promptly that night put me out on the border and I was shot at with automatic weapon fire from uh, the South side. And then that boss showed up and asked me if I learned my lesson. And so I resigned because of that. But it, it took many years for me to come to terms with with my own responsibility and my own prejudices and racism.
0: So. Yeah. And, and I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk about that. But I I also want to talk about this, the betrayal of the agency, because, as you know, I've interviewed a ton of people who have been betrayed by their government agency because I was betrayed yeah. by my government agency when I was pushed out and they didn't stand up for me, even though I was an outstanding employee, which is, the high, as you know, the highest rating you can get mm-hmm. for a decade with tons of commendations and all that other stuff. Same here. Talking to Masha Yovanovitch, mm-hmm. who was unceremoniously pushed out. David Shulkin, head of the VA, who was pushed out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Peter Struck, Andy McCabe. We uh, the list is very long of all the people who were pushed out. This did not happen to you during the Trump administration, however. This was a while ago. But what does it feel like? I mean, I know, but I I, I want to talk about it when the agency that's supposed to have your back doesn't have your back. It's, tr- it's traumatizing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's the equivalent of having your spouse cheat on you. It really is. It, it's, and even more so because I think especially being a white woman and, and then believing in the exceptionalism of the United States, I didn't know what the Border Patrol was growing up in Alabama. And even though I have a a four year college degree in criminal law. I had never heard of the border Patrol, and I had just assumed it was you know like the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but on the border, and had not considered the depths of depravity and corruption that existed in the agency. And I should have known. I mean, I knew off and on throughout my career of of a lot of incidences, you know they, they that taught me that maybe this wasn't a good organization, but you know how it is. You go through that training. You 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 go through, and, and they put you through so much. It's psychological as well, and you feel connected to them. I often call them my green family, and it still today is devastating for me to look at them and see what they're doing. And it's I just have to put it up there with you know like a relative dying or or a spouse cheating on you, and you don't know who to trust. All of a sudden, in everything that you've done. And all the accommodations and all the outstandings you get mean nothing to them. And they would rather keep the corruption because it's so large and it's so vast that if they admit to it and they start trying to tear it down, then that itself becomes a problem.
0: Yeah. And and I think that that's sort of for me, at least when I give my talks, when I do panels and stuff like that, and I talk about what the military did to me. And what the VA did to me, you said you, you called them your green family. And to me, it's you know, you say it's akin to a spouse cheating, but even more so. I sort of relate it to incest in, in that you're not being betrayed by a stranger. You're being betrayed by someone you would take a bullet for, someone you would consider your family. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it that amplifies mm-hmm. that trauma, that betrayal, that like, you are, you are my brother, you are my sister. Mm-hmm. And you, you did this to me, especially if they're in a, if you're in a subordinate position. But even if you're not, and I think that that sort of lends itself to, to why it's so, uh, so difficult to understand and deal with, because it's, this is basically a member of your
1: family. And it's even more frustrating because they're the ones that are still wearing the badge. You know, even though you did everything that they asked of you and you believe in the in the words like patriotism, you believe in the United States, you believe in in all this stuff, and yet they're adopting that language and claiming that what they're doing is patriotism and what they're doing is following the the rule of the law. But in reality they're not. But they turn around and paint you as the one who's wrong in this. And because they have the badge and they have, you know, the bigger uh bigger mouthpiece on all this, they typically win. And that's why whistleblowers go quietly.
0: Yes, tell me about it. That's why I think we need to reclaim what patriotism, what it means to be a patriot in this Mm -hmm. country, reclaim the flag. Now I want to talk a little bit about the sort of inherent racism, the privilege, et cetera, that you had touched on a little bit earlier, because it seems like in the government, a lot of these racist policies or policies against marginalized people. They couch it in security, right? <laughs> they 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 hide it. They subsume it in some other sort of lofty goal that doesn't make any sense and sort of try to plug it into their vision and mission. Mm-hmm. But when it actually, you know, we, we know what it really is. And I think just recently a judge blocked Biden from ending title forty two. But this is not a new problem. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what sort of realizations you came to. You talk about in the book about yourself and you know you're thinking i'm doing the right thing for the united states and it sort of slowly dawns on you what you're actually a part of
1: i mean even in the academy you know the border patrol and they and they still say this today they're like oh we're over fifty uh, 50 minority because of the latino pop- population of the agents and and as a young agent and hearing the racist words that they they suggested we use for migrants that they still use today and I question, you know, my, my instructors who were Border Patrol agents, who were Hispanic Border Patrol agents, and they, they're justifying it. And, and me as a white young woman at that time, I was like, OK, but then, but then you see it. You see how we hunt down brown and, and black migrants and we hold them under bridges out in the Texas sun for months at a time and claim, oh, there's nothing we can do. But then Ukrainians come to the border, white Ukrainians, and they're all like, well, may I escort you to the CBP <laughs> port of entry so that you can claim your asylum? Here, please have a banana and sip you know? a cup. It's 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 gotten ridiculous. Like it, It's always been ridiculous. But the border patrol, the history of the border patrol is rooted in white supremacists. The agency was created by uh, white supremacists. And the, the leaders have always been, you know, beholden to segregation and so forth. And that's what immigration law is. It's about labor and it's about the color of the people coming across. And it's about who's allowed to work and who's allowed to move freely. And the Border Patrol, that's what they claim is national security. But the truth is, is the Border Patrol has never, ever prosecuted a terrorist coming across the border. Now they'll say that we've found so many, you know, terrorist names on the terrorist watch list and, 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 and we've encountered them at the border, but that just means they found somebody with a similar name. They've never prosecuted anybody. It's like being on the no-fly list. So they have yet to do any of that. And they, you know, obviously their mandate now is to guard our Southern border, but as far as how the immigration system is applied and and the asylum system is applied, you can see very clearly that people who are white get in very easily and people who are black and brown can sit down there on the other side of the fence for years.
0: Yeah. And it seems like there's just huge issues with the allocation of resources, too. I mean, with the, the amount of resources we spend turning black and brown people away versus, you know, actually securing the important things that we need to keep out at our border, it seems like the, the resource allocation is just all fakakta.
1: Well, because the war is not on terrorism, which is what they claim it is. The war is actually on black and brown immigrants. And so, like, I know we talk a lot about the militarization of the border. And a lot of people, when you hear that, a lot of uh, especially white people or people that live in the interior of the United States think, well, if there's militarization, then it must be needed. But the truth is, is that we are creating our own crises down there. And so what the war and the militarization, but the war on immigrants that we see on our southern border is about is that it's about making money for defense contractors. That's what it's about.
0: And before I let you go, I want to ask you the what the hardest part or hardest realization while you were doing research and, and writing and, and not just research, but like your own mental research. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What was the hardest part to write about for you?
1: I mean, I think a lot of people are going to, there's a chapter in there that describes my rape in the Academy by another agent and fairly graphically. And and I think a lot of people would think that, And and it, and it was mentally hard on me. It took me a while to write it, but I think, I think the biggest thing was just recognizing in myself how easy it was for me to use my own trauma, you know, from my childhood and then being an agent and turning it around and using it against migrants myself. So I'm very, not that I killed anybody or beat anybody up. I, there is one story in there where I hit a man with my flashlight a couple of times. And even then when I did it, I was very remorseful about it because I shouldn't have done it. I did it out of fear. And I just, you know, being as educated as I am and and, and I wasn't raised in a racist family, but it just, it was just so easy. It was just so easy. The our country and our laws make it so easy to be white and to follow that and justify our actions where, you know, you were once abused, but then you turn around and you become the abuser on somebody that you deem is less than you. And so that's something that I, it took a while to come to terms with and took a while to get to that realization in the, in the book.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that there's... Sometimes there are people who can come to that realization, but because it's so easy to stay there, there's just so many that don't.
1: Yeah. And especially now, I mean, you can just wrap yourself in a flag and, and just be like, you know, well, that's the law. Don't come across, which is what I used to say. Or, you know, or look at all these people. They're all criminals. That's what they're saying left and right. And they, they have a bigger mouthpiece than we had back in my day when I was an agent. And it makes it even easier for them to do that. And I, I recognize that it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult for agents today to come to, to that realization. But agents in uniform today do come to that realization. And a lot of them decide that because they can't find a job that pays as much and with as nice benefits and they have children and stuff that they have to keep up that uh, falsity of what the border patrol really is.
0: And And what in your mind are Any possible solutions here? Because, you know, I interviewed Brian Kloss, who who did Corruptible, and he talks about how it starts with recruitment. You recruit the wrong types of people Mm -hmm. and then it feeds into itself. So do you recommend any overhaul reform on recruitment processes to recruit humane people, intelligent people, people (laughs) who maybe... Need to take better screenings because I know they took that away for a while to hire just a, in bulk. They were like, "We're well, we not going to check their background as as harshly as we would in the past, or you know, training annual training on on humanitarianism or anything like that." I mean, you, you know, I mean, it seems like these are no brainer ideas, but they just they haven't been put into practice.
1: Well, we've been doing deterrence policy since I was an agent in 1994, so I mean that that started under Clinton and you're right. The border patrols hiring practices have just gotten abysmal and they were bad beforehand. But I really, I come to the conclusion in the book that after everything I've seen and everything I've witnessed and everything I've read up on and stuff that the border patrol in and of itself should be abolished. But I think that we, that doesn't mean I believe in open borders, the I still believe that we have to have law enforcement on our borders because of the type of world that we live in today. But I believe that the the history of the Border Patrol and the outright abuse and lynchings that was done and and now with the secret that we know about their secret critical incident teams that I revealed where they're not even authorized legally to, to be doing this and they're hiding all of these killings and what they're actually doing. I, I just can't see any answer other than abolition. But I do envision in the future, like, some kind of border enforcement that's, that's more akin to, like, forestry or Bureau of Land Management, where the agents know about the cultures that they're working in, especially because a lot of our border regions are made up of indigenous tribes. And we are technically on their land mm-hmm. um, enforcing federal Laws and the border patrol doesn't teach that, and they don't really teach much as far as de escalation, they don't teach much as far as humanity. The only humanity they have is you know, we force you into the deserts, then we spend a lot of money on helicopters to pick you up, take great pictures about how great we are, and then we throw you back over the fence into you know more inhumane conditions. That's what they consider to be humanity. So, I think that you know, detention and deterrence policies are a choice. Detention is not supposed to be part of asylum process, which is the majority of the reason why immigrants come to this country versus when I was an agent, when most of them were coming for work. And so our policies have to change with the demographics of the people who are coming to our border. And that's something that we haven't been able to do or willing to do.
0: Yeah, it's almost like just got it and start again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so corrupt and terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well. I I really appreciate your time today, and uh, I recommend everybody pick up Against the Wall. It's called Against the Wall, My Journey from Border Patrol Agent to Immigrant Rights Activist. Jen Bud, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everyone. During my government career, before Trump ousted me, uh, you know, I had a security clearance. I had to ensure all my personal finances were pristine, and that meant avoiding debt or paying down debt as fast as possible. But paying down debt can be hard and stressful and take a long time, especially if you've got a high interest credit card. You're paying more. It just keeps going and going. And 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 then sometimes you have to track multiple payment dates. It's awful. I got tired of juggling all of it. So I consolidated with a personal loan and that could be your answer. That way you just have one due date a month, one interest rate, one monthly payment. And Credit Karma can help you find the best option. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you. So you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for so you can apply with more confidence. Credit Karma will show you your chances of approval. So you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for. And comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free and it will not affect your credit score. It's not a hard pull. So it could save you money. Why not? Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. If you're ready to apply, go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find that loan for you. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talking about my wonderful Helix mattress. Well, Helix has gone to the rest of the house. They've gone beyond the bedroom. They've started making sofas and chairs and amazing stuff. They launched a new company called Allform, and they make premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door fast. Allform makes beautiful furniture. It's easy to put together, easy to customize using premium materials at a fraction of the cost. They deliver to your home. Allform takes just three to seven days to get there in the mail. And it comes with a forever warranty, so you know your new furniture is going to last. You can pick your fabric, right, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant. Great for the pod pets. You pick the color, the finish of the legs, the configuration to make sure it's perfect for your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone. And you can start small and add on if your home gets bigger or your family gets bigger. I chose a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with walnut legs to match my mid-mod vibe. And it's got a chaise lounge at the end. It goes perfectly in my living room. It's comfortable. It looks great. It's got a forever warranty. It's protected from the pod pets. It set up, took in like 10 minutes. It was awesome. So if getting a sofa without trying it in store sounds a little risky, do not worry. You get 100 days to decide if you wanna keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they will come pick it up for free, give you a full refund. So there's no risk here. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash daily And right now for listeners, Allform is offering 20% off all orders. That's allform.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. And that was one of our brand new good news jingles. That was composed by myself and a friend of mine. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your feedback and we will be uh, rolling through some different good news jingles for you to decide. Maybe we'll have a vote. I don't know. But um, I want to thank everyone who submitted a good news jingle. If you want to do that or submit a correction, a confession, woobie story, stuff you're making, your small business, pod pet picks, anything you want to send us, you can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right, Dana, I'm going to kick this off with a submission from Patty, pronoun she and her, and I've already looked at this picture. This is amazing. It is. Patty says, a big thank you, my favorite podcasters. Here's my taking care of my mental health and good news submission. Oh, I love these. These are the best. I had the good fortune to attend an amazing organ concert with my sister and nephew yesterday. Dr. Hyunju Huang, along with percussionist Tsugumi Shikano, performed spectacularly. The organist's feet, arms, and hands were in almost constant motion. Bravo. Being able to leave the world's issues outside was so needed. We went to the local favorite restaurant for dinner after the whole day was a beautiful escape. Pictures of the setting in Palos Verdes Estates, California, are included. Look at this. I know. Oh. I know you
2: like a picture of a big organ. <laughs> Come on, I had to. <laughs> Come on, I, you would have done it to me.
0: <laughs> I know, I would have, I would have.
2: <laughs> Actually, this is, I, I, even as a lesbian, I can say this is a gorgeous organ. <laughs> this is beautiful. I also love the stained glass in the church, and I'm a drummer, so that little drum set catches my eye, but this, look at the, I guess, what are those called? The, the, I, I think I know the word, but I, now I can't think of it. It's the chimes, the giant, what are those called? The organ. Oh, well, the, the pipes. The pipes, my God. You think I just smoked one. Um, yes, the pipes are absolutely beautiful. Look at that. The other thing is, is like someone built this. This is what I find magnificent in in musical instruments. Someone built this fucking thing by hand. Yep. yeah, All the woodwork. It's beautiful. It's it beautiful. is. Thank you, Patty, so much for sharing that with us. What a great picture of you all.
0: I know. Look at the nephew. Look at him. Hey, what's up? What's up? And a gorgeous
2: Palo Verdes there. That's so pretty. Palo, palo, wait, I said Palos Verdes. Is that right? Yeah. Palos Verdes. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure. Okay, I do not want a correction. This one's from Denise, no pronouns given. Allison, I just want to take a moment and thank you for all the great work you do to break down the several what the fuck moments we're experiencing on a daily basis. (laughs) It gives me hope that some amazing people are pulling for our democracy. I listen to you daily. For pod tax, I rescue pugs and Pablo came to me a shell of what he is now. He had a rough start, but he's well loved now. I'm including some before and after photos of him. I also have Jarvis, the pug mix. Ruru, who lost her tail. Ah, She was a bad neglect case. And Chloe, the queen, who's 13, half paralyzed and blind, but now living her best life.
1: Oh,
2: I know. Oh, look at these pugs. Uh, oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, yeah. Look at that before picture. That is definitely a healthier pug now. Absolutely. And that is due to love. Denise, well done. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for the submission. I love the pod tax. Next up from Monica, no pronouns given. Find the cat and a pet picture. Her name is Bunny. She was born in my house because I was a foster mother for our local Humane Society for over five years. She has two different colored eyes and does not really have a mustache. She... (laughs) She, she gets into a lot of adventures a night and came home one morning with a dirty Sanchez. Oh, my gosh. I love you, ladies.
2: I listen to you every single day. Keep up the fight. Look that at- is hilarious. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: Oh, I see her. I Later. do, too.
2: That's cute. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's awesome. This one's super short. We'll get this out. This is from Tonya. Pronoun she and her. Unless it's... So- Unless that's pronounced Sonia, not Sonia. And then it's Tonya. <laughs> This is very confusing. I think it's Tonya. Okay, we're gonna keep moving. And if it's wrong, if it's Tanya, let's just leave all this in. It rhymes with the name S-O-N-Y-A. My friend pronounces that Sonia, but I think it could be Sonia.
0: What do you think? I have a friend named Sonia, but I think this is Tanya. I think we're gonna go with Tanya.
2: Okay. Tanya, pronoun she and her. Sorry to bring you all on that journey. It was exhausting for me as well. <laughs> If you use smile.amazon.com, the company will donate a small percentage of your purchases to the charity org of your choice. I donate to my regional Planned Parenthood org, picture of some of my family, the two fond pugs, or sisters, and do everything together. We have so many pugs. This is a very puggy good news today.
0: It's pug day. It is pug day. Look at these babies. Oh, they're so (laughs) cute. Is that a heating pad they're sleeping on? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness is right. That's so cute. Thank you for that. And thank you for those photos. And thanks for that. Smile.amazon.com. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Next up from Ellie, pronouns she and her. I've been a listener since our mutual friend, Brian, Otis's human, told me about your pod a few years ago. The world feels heavy these days and it's hard to find silver linings. I'm very grateful for your good news every morning on my way to work. Speaking of silver linings, I'm fortunate to work in a very dog-friendly environment. My barometer for my day is how many dogs I get to pet. I had a six-dog day today, so it was a very good day. Here's a picture of our three work goofs. The gray one is Teddy, mini Aussie doodle. The little wolf one is Bandit, super mutt that steals hearts and snacks. And my little black and white guy, Sully. See if you can guess what he is. He's 5.5 pounds full grown. Oh, and we already have the answer oh they didn't no put that at the end of the photos but uh,
2: look at uh, oh
0: my goodness look at the butt in the air
2: i know i know okay that Yorkie maltese mix is absolutely freaking adorable It's so
0: cute. Oh,
2: I love the dog that literally looks like it's rolling its eyes at us right now on the right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh. You've got to be. That that dog's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Because the other one's showboating for the camera. Yeah, totally. Look at my booty. These dogs are beautiful. Oh, my God. Look at the last picture. I know. Uh, So cute. Uh, Ugh.
0: These were good dog. Good news stories today. It reminds me of um, Joelle's multi-poo, Marley Moo. Oh, so, so cute. cute. Thank you for all of this. If you have anything you want to send on to us, including, you know, if you want to try out for uh, for the jingle, for the yeah. Japanese jingle, you can send that in to us too. You can do it all by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana, do you yes. have any final
2: thoughts today? No, not today. I feel like uh, it's, you know, it's... That's it. I, don't, I actually, I don't feel very articulate today. Articulate? <laughs> I don't feel very articulate today, which is part of the problem. So no final thoughts. I'm going to keep them to myself. Did you just mess up the word articulate? I did. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. And I'm not even going to ask you to edit it. It's just so people have joy as they sign off on the
0: podcast today. Excellent. And everyone until tomorrow, please take, oh, by the way, cool news. Tomorrow, we've got Ellie Mastal, who's going to be joining us to talk nice. about his three progressive test cases for the, uh, when Roe is overturned. So I'm looking forward to speaking with him. He's always a joy to talk to. Till then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and vote blue over Q. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane